Bless you, Lord God. Well, welcome to Touch Heaven Campfield Church. Those of you who are here personally in attendance, those who are watching online, wherever you're at, thank you. Again, and always your prayer support, your support, your acknowledgement and your messages from wherever you are, they're so much appreciated. We thank God for that, and it's a blessing to us. Um, we've been dealing with a lot of different topics as of recent, and I just felt led of the Lord that He wants us to know, wants you specifically to know, how mighty and precious His defense is over us. Much is said about defense, is it not? So let's just pray first of all to the Lord and acknowledge Him. Father, we thank You, Lord, that You indeed are our strength and our tower. We thank you, Father, that you watch over us in ways that we cannot even comprehend and we're going to try to this morning. Help us, Father. We thank you, Lord, that the spirit of truth will bring wisdom and knowledge and understanding to us. And we thank you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you said you would send that spirit who would tell us all things that you would have him to teach us even those things that you alone have heard in the confidence of God, the Father Almighty as well. So Lord, here we are. We just come as simple as we can be. And we thank you, Father, that you can reduce the complexity of who you are into the simplicity of who we are. Be blessed, our Father. Holy Spirit, let your word be true. Guide this your servant this morning, Father for you alone to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, there's a lot of sabers rattling, is there not? Never quits, does it? And, um, you know, they, they, they call it a monkey wrench, you know, just throwing a monkey wrench into the systems and situations at all times. And I was just actually musing uh, early this morning in the third watch about some of the plots and schemes and the things of the enemy that were just thrown at us this week alone. The things that we had to hear and listen to uh, to just try to make us helter-skelter. And it's, it's almost laughable if it wasn't so serious, isn't it? Um, and uh, I think in, in, in about five, six, seven news cycles around the world, whether you're listening to the BBC or other types of news channels, even outside of the most common ones here in the United States, <clears throat> we can't help but get deluged with all kind of hypocrisy and all kind of threats and all kind of fears and all kind of doubts. Uh, very rarely is there good news. I noticed that some of the news, newscasters and stations try to end 29 minutes worth of bad news with one minute of something good that happened in the world. And um, I, don't know, I don't know if that's been psychologically tested, that it has you come back so that you're not just in manic depression, or whether it makes them feel good as if they gave somebody a good pill after 29 bad pills. I don't understand it. But this I know. If you went through the news cycle this week, the Russians are again meddling in our election, supposedly, for one candidate to win. The Chinese are meddling for another candidate to win. Um, 
half of Lebanon blew up, but it wasn't a terrorist, right? Um, Israel is, is fending for itself up and down all through uh, Jerusalem with protests. Um, 70 some days of nasty protests in Portland, Oregon, um, with that mayor saying that it's all being done to promote a certain candidate. That's how crazy people are. Um, we've got the doomsdayers out now saying, get ready. We're about ready for a big, how many of you heard a big blackout? Hmm? A couple of you have asked me, uh, go get your ham radios and get lit up. And one person asked me if I got my ham radio and my response to them was, I only know one ham and that's Abraham. And, 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 and so, so <laughs> there's a story behind that. You want to hear it, don't you? Let's, let's deviate a moment. We'll get serious in a moment. Well, you know, we took illustrious Jim Mariotti to an Ohio State championship game in Indianapolis. And there's one uh, delicatessen there that's known all over the United States. Anybody who's got any Jewish blood whatsoever, they, it, you have to make an aliyah to that deli one time in your life. So we got up early Sunday morning because they have a huge line, and we got in line and we waited, myself, my son, and Jimmy. And this was only a couple years ago, so we can't blame it on the fact that he wasn't well-tuned. And uh, we waited in line, we got in there, and they're asking us, what do you want for breakfast? And of course, my son and I, we order lox and bagels and schnitz and stuff like that. And they come to Jimmy, and Jimmy said, I'd like some ham and eggs. <laughs> the owner, his ears go up. He's somewhere on the other side of the restaurant, comes running over, and he says, who said that? Sam and I take off. Weird, <laughs> nothing to do with him. And there's Jimmy, as bold-faced as could be. He goes, me, I want some ham and eggs. And the guy said, do you know where you're at? And, and Jimmy said, well, yeah. And this is what the man said. He said, there's only one ham I know, that's Abraham, and he ain't here. So, Jimmy, thanks again for embarrassing me truly, brother. It was wonderful. <laughs> So uh, the news cycles tend to just send us in chaos, do they not? And, uh, you know, I am, I am very much anticipating a move of something in September. I didn't just say this. The Lord showed me that months and months and months ago before we had even said the other things that were coming came and they came. Um, what it is, I'm not sure, but the Lord said he was going to move in a, in a miraculous, supernatural way coming into this end of this season. Uh, now, some have extended that into all kind of things. One guy came out, said he had dreams of Chinese and Russian soldiers stomping through Washington, D.C. in October and November and arresting people. And uh, some people asked me, and I said, that's not going to happen. So I pray for that fellow. He needs a little bit of help. And, um, you know, uh, a few other things. Uh, and so we see that the, you know, it gets spread out all over the place when this stuff is happening. Um, we could just move left and right at every rumor, at every flippant, at every issue, at every discussion. We need stability. And our stability is our faith. And yes, sudden things do happen. And yes, we need to be prepared. But we still need to have our faith. And we need to understand not only who we are, but most of all who He is. 
and who He is with us. And that's my intent this morning. Maybe combining a little bit of the supernatural, uh, we'll, get, uh, we'll have some fun uh, imagining what some of these scriptures mean, but our feet will hit the ground and we're going to be stabilized in the fact that our Lord, our God Almighty, He's watching over you and has everything in His hands for you, and it's not new. He's determined this before you were even conceived in the womb. So let's just go with this a moment. The, the eyes of the Lord are your defense. And one of our references, there are several scriptures, is the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 6. And remember now, this is John who's taken off of the island of Patmos up into the heavens, and he's seeing all of this revelation. He's trying to understand what might be shown to him in a real-time, modern-day, contemporary 2020 realm, certainly 21st century realm, because the Lord is coming. And he's trying to explain this in language and understanding that fits his comprehension in his time. And so he says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Well, the seven spirits of God has brought a lot of controversy. Um, there are some that have tried to claim that that word dynamis, it's a Greek word that's used in Romans and several other uh, chapters and books of the Bible, that because it refers to spiritual beings, that those seven spirits could be seven super phenomenal spiritual beings. I want to discount that to you right now. There's only one God. His name is Adonai in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. There's an angelic kingdom. They are not omnipresent. They can't go throughout all the earth in multiple places at one time. Only the Lord God can in the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's made it more clear for us. Now, very interesting that it speaks about the eye. Well, let me go to a little history with you on that. If we could look at Psalms 33, 18. This is a messianic psalm. This is a Hebraic psalm. And in it, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on them that fear him for those who wait for his loving kindness. Now, notice there it's singular. It's not eyes. It's I. Let's not get confused between the eyes and the eye. It's the self-same supernatural omnipresence of Lord God Almighty. And it especially makes sense to us when we break it down. In the Hebrew, it would say, Ayin Adonai, Ayin, Eye of Adonai, Eye of God. And it's about his intimate knowledge that he has of our lives. And any time that you see the Eye of the Lord, it's talking about the fact that nothing is obscured from God. He knows past, present, future before we've ever lived it or anyone has lived it. In fact, in Isaiah 48, he speaks out very clearly, and he said, when you were there in your past, I am present. 
So what he is saying is you can't diminish and put me in time. You can't make me past, present, and future. I'm everywhere at all times in all places. I cannot be defined in your terms with time. God, as we know, is timeless. And there will be a point in creation when time shall be no more because everything will have been fulfilled in God. So the Lord's eyes are in every place observing both the good and evil. Let's read that in Proverbs 15, 3 for a moment. I want you to just let these uh, scriptures soak in. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. The evil and the good. Now, we're going to begin to compress this into something that helps us to uh, expand our spirits, and that is the fact that not only is God watching over the good, because we have many scriptures to that end, but he's also watching over evil. For me and for you, what that should mean is, let's get out of the geopolitical sense. Let's get out of the massive worldwide attitude, and let's talk about being personal. How many of you know that there are plots and conspiracies of, of, of a person a spirit that hates you and wants to kill you and destroy your soul. How many of you know that? If you don't, you need to know that. His name is Satan, and he has a kingdom, and he has demons, and he has principalities, and he has powers, and they are assigned to go to and fro the earth and cause trouble and chaos, set traps, and destroy people. And even though the enticement might be something that seems good, the, the end result is destruction. Well, God sees that. Not only does he see it, he knew it before it would come. So what has he done? He has given us a way out. The Lord has said, and Paul has told us, there is no such temptation, no such evil that God has not made a way for you to escape and overcome. In fact, we understand, therefore, you are greater than an, a conqueror. You are established as a, a, as a massive overcomer of God. He has equipped you, and he has qualified you to use every weapon that he has, to use all the authority of the name of Jesus, and to have faith to know that God is going to already make a way for you. He is not surprised by any evil that the enemy tries to beset upon you. Now, on the flip side of that, which is good, is multiple times, many times, somebody blames the devil when it's not the devil. It's myself. I cause my own problem. I make a willful choice to sin against God. Good news is God already knew that was going to happen, and because of the blood of Jesus... He has bestowed grace upon us. He prefers to look at us not as a sinner, but as somebody who has been redeemed by the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So instead of defining a punishment for me when that's what I deserve, he determines a way out to pull me back in to his grace. Doesn't that sound wonderful? The world is taught about a punishing divinity. There's no other religion that has a sense in a way where you can absolutely know that when your time comes and your last breath is over here on this earth, that the Lord God Almighty is waiting for you with 
open arms and looks upon you not not in the dirt and the taint and the sin and the blemishes of what we deserve, but instead in the glory of the face of His Son. That's the Lord God Almighty whose eyes are watching over you in every way. His purpose isn't that He takes, he takes uh, joy in seeing us stumble. His purpose is that He takes joy in seeing us say, Father, help me. Get me out of this. God and his son are redeemers. They're in the salvation redemption business. You know, in any form of military, you have different uh, facets of what they do. You have the frontliners, and they're offensive, and they go in, and theirs is to kill and destroy. Theirs is to go in and, and, and set footholds and put the enemy to flight. You also have those who are the support systems in the back. If without them, the front system would fall apart in no time whatsoever. We know that the military has expanded so much that it's now on the ground, in the air, and on the sea, and in space. It's everywhere at all times, in all places. Things are, move, things are moving very, very quickly. And the war zone has expanded into the universe, if you will. Well, there's another group, and those are called rescuers. And the rescuers are as fierce as the ones that are in the front line, and they know that every time they go into rescue, they're going into a bad situation. They're going to put their lives on the line to get somebody else out. They usually call it the miracle hour. Isn't that right, Doc? They got one hour to extract them, get them out, and get them there to get taken care of, or they'll lose them. They'll bleed out. They'll do something. And so they go in and they extract them. They're called rescuers. They're not involved in attacking the enemy unless they have to. Their whole mission is to be there in support to rescue. I want you to look at your God, your Father, Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit as rescuers. They're there to deliver you. They're there to come in in the worst of the moments. Fight back the enemy if they must with you and for you take you in their arms and take you in that golden hour to a place where you can be tended to and be mended and where you will survive and be set back out into normal life. That is the role of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost to the believer. Why is that important for us to know? Because we already know we're going to mess up. If you were to call Rick Joyner's personal cell phone, this is what it said. It said this for several years. This is the day that the Lord has made. Don't mess it up. That's what he says. And he says, leave a message. Boom, he hangs up. And the bottom line is we do mess it up. We do mess it up. I sent to a few of you today while I was pondering on it, I said, this is the, Lord, the, the day that the Lord has made. We choose to make it a great day. And we can do that because of who God is and because of who we are in Him and because of what we know. So, Ayin Adonai. Another one that we like to see is Second Chronicles 16.9. Now, there's a long story that goes with this. Uh, I'm not Originally, I was intending to sharing this Bible story, but it would just take too long. But I would encourage you to read what is up with Asa and all of that in 2 Chronicles 16.9. You'll begin to see the heart of the Father in it. 
And in the scripture, it says, Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison. Um, 16.9, please. Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. That's our point. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself. And this is where we should get out of our chairs and shout. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. There's a special emphasis of the eyes of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord moving throughout the earth. There's an assignment. And that assignment is to show himself strong to you. Those whose heart is loyal to him. Well, that word loyal, it comes out of another Jewish acronym and is used over and over and over. And oftentimes what it means is completely submitted, absolutely convinced, unflappable. Well, that would be a problem if we were trying to determine that we could be perfect before God and that's the only way he would be strong for us. No, it's because the righteousness of God is in you through Jesus Christ that you can say even when you fail, even when you sin, even when I miss the mark, I can say, Father, the blood of Jesus, I repent, here I am, I'm your son, broken, trodden down, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, but here I am, Lord, and the Lord smiles and picks you up to show because your heart is loyal to him, and no longer does he judge you through a kippur. A kippur, K-I-P-P-U-R, is a covering in Hebrew. Yom Kippur, that's the Day of Atonement. Well, what happened in the Day of Atonement was there would be a sacrifice, and whether it was of a lamb, it typically should have been, or bulls and goats or whatever it was on that given opportunity for atonement, it was nothing. The blood was spread upon the mercy seat of the altar to cover the whole altar. And then with buckets, they would pick up the rest of the blood that dripped so that that which came across the altar would not in any way foul the holy of holies because that blood was sin ingested. That blood covered the sin. But guess what happened when the blood dried? The altar was still the same. And so the sin was only covered. It wasn't forgiven. It wasn't lost. A price had not been paid that was good enough to satisfy the punishment for sin. But Christ, he covered not only your sins, but he washed them away. There's a big difference. And so there's another parable that says to us, your sins have been cast away so far that the Lord can't see them. He's put them in the deepest sea. What well, doesn't mean that God is looking at sins. It's telling us a reference to understand that the Lord has chosen to put the blood of his son between you and him and your sins. And so even, this is good news now, even when you sin in the present and you ask the Lord already to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you in the past, you're not surprising God. Nor is Jesus surprised and said, oops, I didn't cover that one when I went to the cross. It was all covered because God is your past, your present, your future. The sinless nature that God has given unto us isn't because we deserve it. It's not because we can earn it. 
And it's not because we're perfect or imperfect. It's because of who he is. Now, here's the challenge. Do we receive it? Do we believe it? Do we accept it? And do we walk in it? So many people that say they love God and fear God and know who Jesus is walk in defeat because of the inability to accept who you are in him. And the fact that no matter what you do, you're never going to earn God. Now, you can do things to separate yourself from God. Sin separates from God. But there's a way back, and it's quick. And it's 1 John 1, 9. Confess our sins, and the Lord is faithful to forgive us, is he not? And so, we want to understand that the eye of the Lord is more than a physical eye. He's spirit. Now, when we are in the heavenly place, should we be blessed enough to somehow look and gaze upon the Father? I don't know. We shall see. I know we shall know Jesus when we see him because we will be just like him. And we know that he has a glorified body because he was here on the earth and he was seen in his glorified body. But with all due respect, no one has seen the Father. So be careful when you hear about these people that tell you they've gone to heaven and they sat before the Father's throne. Be careful about that. I'm not saying they did or they didn't. What I'm saying is my word tells me no man has gazed upon the Father. And so maybe we will, maybe we won't someday. Will he have eyes? I don't know. We were made in his image, but his image is the persons. God made us in the image of three persons. He's three persons. And that is the image of our flesh and the image of our spirit and the image of our soul. That's the three persons. And he made us in his likeness. And his likeness was that we are able to have the spirit of God with his breath and his nefesh. Those are what God made us to. That's what he's redeeming us unto. However, if we do, if we do look upon him, some expect to see many, many eyes. I don't know that. Now, sometimes you might feel that you're insignificant. Um, that you're invisible to God, that you're unnoticed and obviously alienated. People get cold in God, or we just get wore out and tired waiting sometimes, or we just haven't had that fresh breath. I've had many people in their experiences tell me that I just, I just want to get alive again in God. I used to be so alive in Him, and I'm not alive. Well, it's not a matter of what God's not doing. It's a matter of what we're not doing. Is that not true? I don't know about you, but you would know if God has taken His Holy Spirit away from you. If you've tasted of the goodness of God and God pulls that away from you, trust me when I tell you, you will be as dry as a desert cactus. Why do I say that? Well, for some reason, I have prayed to experience and know things of God. And I guess He's allowed me to know a few things to keep me in line. Because if not, I could have easily just gone off the way of the business of the ministry at the very least, if not worse. And how many of you know, and be careful and wise, and don't believe everything you're seeing right now, how many of you know that there are great people of understanding in the ministry that are fallen right now? How many of you know that? I'm not going to name them, I'm not going to judge them, but don't buy into the stories that they just took a break. Okay? It's happening right now, just like we proclaimed a year ago the judgment was going to begin to happen in the house of God in this season. It's happening right now. There are two great men of God that all of you would know who they are. They're in a lawsuit with each other. 
over $3 million. There's another man who said the Lord spoke to him to sit down. The Lord didn't spoke to him to sit down. Some people told him to sit down. Now maybe God spoke through the people. Why am I saying this to you? Because we're in that season, in that time when the eyes of the Lord are going out throughout the earth and searching hearts, and he's starting to put things in alignment, and people can make choices. If we make the choice to walk with God, if we make the choice to be loyal to God, then you have a certainty, a surety that everything that you do, God is on your side. Now, is God going to love you no matter what? Of course, God's going to love you to the very last breath. But that means that some of the things that you're trying to do, you're going to have to do on your own. Now, how do I know this? Let me share it with you. I didn't understand I was going to share this, but I'm going to share it with you. I don't like this story in my life. I don't like it at all, to be honest with you. But there was a time in my life as things were growing and I was becoming more popular and large crowds were coming and invitations were coming from all over the different parts of the world. I had just finished a tour of 11 cities in Australia. Prior to that, I was in Europe, and uh, we had young children. Laura Lee would join me when she could. Uh, I had 100,000 people in Mexico City, hundreds of people healed of of AIDS, documented, uh, people out of wheelchairs. I was feeling pretty good about myself, and a lot of people were telling me how great I was, which was the worst thing they could have done. And I didn't think I had any problems. (laughs) That's what happens when we get so full of ourselves in God. We don't think we have any problems. I tell you one thing. I love that person that comes to me and loves God and is on fire for God. And they told me they got out of jail. Or they told me what they used to do or who they were and all the sins they went through and how bad they were. I said, I love that person because they understand the value of a relationship with God. I always have a hard time with the person that tells me they were saved when they were one years old and never really did any sins and were a virgin all their life. And I say, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, that's just setting you up for a big one, isn't it? There's always something about honor amongst thieves, isn't there? Um, And so I hit that point and I went to a Picnic for Refuseniks. It was in Liberty. They invited us, and I was on the forefront of that, and they knew that I was sort of like a a local champion because I had gone to the Soviet Union back in the late 80s to protest and to bring comfort, quiet comfort, money and and medicine and, and, and aid to the worst of the worst of the Refuseniks, those Jews that had been refused to receive a visa to go to Israel and instead had been persecuted. Uh, the, the last one I went to, his daughter was raped in front of him by the Russian soldiers as they beat him and her and took everything he had and left him uh, in a small apartment with his wife and, uh, and dragged her out of there with their little baby. This was the kind of stuff that was going on. So I went to this refusenik picnic and uh, they had chicken, and I was talking to a couple of the uh, Jews that had gotten released from the Soviet Union, and they found some sponsors from what used to be my temple here in Youngstown. Uh, uh, And so as I was there, somebody put a piece of chicken on my plate, and just while I was talking without paying any attention, I began to eat that chicken, and I realized halfway through that it tasted very bad. And... uh, 
it was too late. I'd eaten enough of it. Well, I forgot about it. And that stuff began to boil inside of me, I guess. And later that night, while I was at a festival watching fireworks with our little children, I began to get a very high fever and sweat and shake. And I knew I was very sick, so I made my way home and told Laura Lee, just come with the kids when you're done. I've got to, I've got to get out of here. And I laid down, and typically is my way when I'm sick. I just go out on my own. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear from anybody. Don't try to tend to me. I'm good. She got up in the morning and went to Kent State where she was working on her doctorate thesis in music. And she leaves at 7.30, got the kids off to school. I'm still in bed. She comes home at 5 5 o'clock with the children, and I'm somewhat out of it. Um... She touches my head, I'm delirious, I can't answer her questions. She calls my brother who's a doctor, he comes over and he says, I don't know what it is, but he's totally dehydrated. He begins to pump me up with IVs right in my bed. Well, you get a couple bags of IVs, you, you, you perk up, right? I'm, I'm good, I said, I'm good, I don't know what it was. I said, maybe I was in the sun too much yesterday. He said, I'd really like to take you in and let's run some blood tests and see what happened to you. I said, nah, nah, I'm good, I'm good. He says, you're always stubborn, but okay. Off he goes. I go back to sleep. Next morning, she goes out, comes back, and my eyes are rolled back, and I'm in bad shape. I'm blue, I'm gray, there's oxygen missing out of my body. He comes and gets me and takes me in that condition to the hospital. Next thing I know, all of my vital organs are shutting down. They're trying to deal with me as fast as they can. Uh, they order a, a blood test and then a plethora of antibiotics, just spanning it through everything they could to attack whatever it could be to try and recover me as fast as they could. And in about five to seven days, I begin to stabilize um, and I get out as it would be. Uh, to this day, we never were able to determine what the blood test said because my brother who, by the way, was the chief resident for nephology at that time at uh, St. E's, uh, his assistants lost my blood. So it was, that was just the enemy. Um, and so I came out, I was feeling better, I was getting my strength. And a week later, I woke up in the middle of the night and my legs were swollen three, four times their size and red and painful. I couldn't even put a sheet on them. My neck was swollen. I looked at my hands, they were swollen. Such pain, everything red. You just touched it and you could make marks in my body. I struggled to go downstairs so I wouldn't wake Laura Lee or the children up. And I laid on a sofa just writhing in pain. And I tried to pray and I couldn't pray. Hear me out, I couldn't pray. I, I knew it was just words. I didn't have any spirit. I couldn't pray. And in a matter of two weeks, I was totally crippled in a wheelchair with a prognosis and diagnosis from the uh, rheumatoid doctor that I had a very, very severe rheumatoid arthritis that was incurable and that my life was going to be right in that wheelchair. And the best they could do for me was help me to measure the pain. That was it. Well, it was the faith of my wife who pushed me out of there in a wheelchair and she began to pray over me in the spirit and pray and I would cry because 
I couldn't feel anything of the Lord. Nothing. The pain became second to the fact that I was void of the Spirit of God. After having moved in the power of the Spirit since 1980, shaking nations, nothing. I began to work on her faith, forcing myself to get up and walk. I'd fall and I wouldn't let anyone help me. But that was just in my own stubbornness in her faith. I didn't have any more faith. Of course, I went through what we all went through. What did I do? And I began to process what I didn't do. I began to repent and tell the Lord how I would do it so much better. I began to prioritize what was important and what wasn't important. I began to count all the times that I accepted the glory when I should have fallen on my face. I finally crawled into my office on Elbert Street on the east side of Youngstown. I remember that first day I took a car in. I wouldn't let anybody drive me or pick me up. Every pothole I hit was so excruciating and painful. I literally crawled up the back steps of the office, got into my office and put my leg up on the basket. To me, it was just a big deal to get there. I didn't have any other expectation. I just wanted to get there. My secretary came in, named Sandy Maley. Sandy came in and put her face right in front of mine. She, she said, Frank, I need to speak with you. I was, Sandy, not right now, please, can you see? Really not in a good way here, honey. Listen, what do I tell all these people, all these calls, all these commitments you made? We've been canceling. What do I tell them? I said, tell them. I don't have anything to say. She said, can I tell you what happened last night? I said, only if you must. I said, really, I just need some time. She said, I was praying for you specifically that you could walk again. She said, I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know what it was, but it was real. There was a knock at my door. I answered the door. And there was a man there. And he had fire in his eyes. He said, I've heard your prayer. You tell my son, I took away the spirit. I will give it back to him again. And I will heal him. Tell him to be what I told him to be. She left. 
You see that man with the fire in his eyes? That's the man I saw on the freeway when I got saved. That's the man who told me what my call was. I knew who he was. He knows who I am. I fell on my face behind my desk. I began to weep and repent. And you know what came to me? Not once had I prayed at night for Sandy, but she was praying for me. She was born with a birth defect. She walked like this. She prayed for my legs. Not once. And then something marvelous happened. His Holy Spirit was back in me. I was alive again. I was alive. I could pray again. Songs began to fill my spirit and flood me. Old hymns I had first learned began to come out of my mouth. I left there, got back in my car. I went to my house. I had a week with the Lord. One of the best weeks of my life. Recalibrating. Being refreshed. Ayin Adonai. The eyes of the Lord. They're upon us, but not to destroy us. To preserve us. To rescue us. To establish us. To keep us. We have a choice. We could ignore it. We could respond. If you're as blessed as I am, and I believe you are, then there's somebody somewhere, somehow in your life God's put in that place to rescue you when you need rescued. Ayin Adonai. Much is said about a super satellite system now. Much is said about what it can do, what it's done, what it's going to do. I guess this country has truly bridged the gap. We were a generation behind both Russia and China in 2016 in space. That may not seem like much, but our technology was only as far as 4G. In space, that's a light year compared to 5G, those of you who know that. 5G shares messages 100 times faster than 4G. What might lack three to seven seconds 
is communicated in milliseconds. The latency is gone. The accuracy is much better. The potency is almost perfect. We were in serious trouble. I didn't know why, November 9th, 2016, I published it. I said, the Lord said that this president is going to create a space force. And that space force is going to give this country dominance over its enemies. Last week, for some reason, Russian military general came out and said, if we even see a ballistic missile fired, we're going to assume it's nuclear and take response action. You know why they were saying that? Because we're up and running with 5G in space now with the best technology in the world. But 5G can't compare to Ayin Adonai. I'm glad this country has 5G, but I'm really glad you have Ayin Adonai. Because even before they think about it, God's already got it. Even before they could think about it, He already knew it. No matter what, He's got it. Finally, this. Ayin Adonai has three major characteristics. One, he's omniscient. Perfect wisdom. All-knowing. The other one, He's omnipotent, all power, limitless power. The third, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. At all times, past, present, and future, in every place. Psalm 33:18 Behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his steadfast love Psalm 139:14 I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Psalm 139, 13. Let this seek in for a moment. If you really get the revelation of this, your faith will be strengthened forever. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Continue, please. I will praise you 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written the days each day fashioned for me when as yet there wasn't one of them how precious also are your thoughts to me O oh God how great is the sum of them That's who you are. That's how God made you. That's how He knows you, piece by piece, part by part. It's nothing for the Lord to speak to something in your body and call it healed. It's nothing for God to order the days ahead of you. He's already there. His thoughts for you, they're to accomplish how He designed you. And they're good and not evil. It's for a good purpose. He's got you. He's had you. He will always have you. As He cried out to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am the Lord God who goes before you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you won't let go of us. That nothing can separate us from that tremendous love that you have for us that's sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And let us not forget, Father, that those eyes that we try to understand, your eyes, oh, how they must have teared at that moment in time that your son suffered on the cross and in hell. My God such that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as the psalmist wrote, don't leave my soul in hell. My God, Father, what a price you and our Savior have paid. Thank you for that, Lord. Holy Spirit, invade us, invade us, even as we seek to press in and know you greater and more on Tuesday nights right now. Invade us, Lord. Take us over. Put your fear in us strong, your grace, your love, faith 
faith, oh God, unshakable faith, reliable faith, faith that gives you the glory and you the glory alone, Father, that is irresistible. Thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for never giving up on me. Help us, Lord, help me to run the race to that moment that our assignments are done here on this earth. Help us, Father. We can only do it with you, lest we stumble and fall short of the glory. Be blessed, Father. Be glorified, Lord. Our words alone aren't enough, Father, but here we are. It's all we have to give you, Father, this flesh that you made us out of, the spirit that you breathed into us, this soul that you've made so complicated. It's all we have, Father. What we have, let us dare to say we freely give. Take us, Lord. Take us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today or you're watching online and you say, you know what, Frank, I'd like to just make a statement, a commitment. Maybe it's reaffirming a covenant. Maybe it's making a decision that indeed you're going to make this the first best great day of your life again. For this is the day the Lord has made. We can choose to rejoice and be glad in it. If you say, I'd like to join you and make a statement of faith in Christ, then let's just say a simple prayer. Let's just say, Father, I believe that you're the living God. And I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior. He did die on the cross for my sins. He alone suffered for them in hell. He resurrected. And by his blood, my sins are forgiven. Forgive me, Father. For I was a sinner. But in Christ I'm not. Help me, Lord. Never let go of me. Put your Holy Spirit around me. Keep me, protect me, guide me, and never let the fear of the Lord leave my heart. You be glorified, Lord. You are my Father. Jesus, you're my Savior. Holy Spirit, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.